Greetings, dear friends. Today, in the Alatra TV studio, we have the esteemed Igor Mikhailovich Danilov. Greetings. And Jana. Greetings. After the previous video, our viewers became interested in the currently relevant topic concerning the prospects of our civilization. And indeed, today we as humanity are at a historic turning point because modern civilization is at a crisis stage of its development, and we hear statements that the evolutionary crisis of humankind has begun. Experts state that the industrial civilization has reached a deadlock, and this is evidenced by numerous global crises, economic crises, geopolitical, social and cultural crises, as well as demographic and many others, and all this is aggravated by catastrophic climate changes. So the aggravation of all these crises stimulates one to search for new ways and strategies for development. After all, what is happening today is so disappointing that only a qualitative evolutionary leap from the abyss of consumerist animal format to a completely new format of human relations can save us all. In this regard, the attention of our viewers was drawn to the point from the previous video where six stages of civilization development were mentioned. So we received the following questions. What are these levels? And what type of civilization does our society belong to? We are actually touching upon such a layer, which is more science-fictional for all people, or futurological, so to say. I mean that today we've decided to talk about science fiction, as I understood, right? About the prospects and the like. But we know that any science fiction comes true one way or another, or at least science fiction writers describe events that are either currently happening somewhere already or have happened before. So, our friends, it turns out that today we've decided to raise a topic which will sound for many of you as science fiction. If you're interested in it, let's talk. First of all, I would like to find out what do modern people actually mean by the word civilization. After all, people have always been tempted to divide into friends and foes, into our civilization and barbarians. So, where did it all come from? A good question, so you say, to divide into our people and barbarians. If we consider what are barbarians, barbarians are actually those who are not Greeks. Right? Right, of a different tribe. People of a different tribe, meaning who are not Greeks. Those very foreigners. Strangers, yes. Foreigners. So it turns out that those who are not Greeks are barbarians. And based on this, it turns out that civilization is only Greeks, Greek culture, right? It is the same as in religions, many people say pagans, yes? And who are pagans? Those who are not Jews. In other words, pagans are all who are not Jews. Well, this has taken a completely different turn nowadays. Nowadays, when people say pagans, it means polytheists or non-believers, right? right? Meaning pagans who don't believe in one God. Well, everyone who believes in one God is normal and not pagan. Whereas by barbarians, they mean nowadays people who are savages, right? Such as uneducated people who destroy cultural values and do not value them, basically such backward people. Right. Well, in fact, if we take it, then pagans are all who are not Jews and barbarians are all who are not Greeks, right? And what is civilization in the modern sense? In the modern sense, civilization is culturally developed people, those who are well-organized, who are kind of 
technologically advanced, up-to-date disease, civilization, civilized people, cultured people, right? It is those who are actually contrasted with barbarians, who are now considered to be uncultured and illiterate. Yet I have a different question then. Say, there is our modern human civilization. However, why is there an Eastern civilization and a Western civilization in it? We actually have everything separate. Yes. How to understand what civilization is? Now, my friends, Tatiana has decided to raise questions about the six levels of civilization development and how to understand what kind of civilization is meant. What are we talking about? It is like state. You know, it's a very interesting word to which nobody has a specific answer as to what it is. Right? Right. It turns out to be quite interesting. So, what are we going to talk about? Are we a society, a civilization? And what are the main features of civilization in general, in the primordial meaning? What kind of? I don't know, maybe you are. But I'm definitely not a Greek. It's just indeed. Although the Greek culture is quite ancient, valuable and remarkable. However, I don't look like one of them. You said about non-barbarians, right? In particular, Jana has touched upon this point. And indeed, can separated people actually, let's say, in the past, the concept of a barbarian implied that a person is a foreigner, whereas nowadays it's like a rude person, sort of, right? That is… Uncultured. Uncultured. So, indeed, with such a separation, when there is division in society into friends and foes, can there be any scenario other than some militarized and negative one? And when another person is already perceived as… In a consumerist format of modern humanity development, there cannot be anything else. Why? The format itself, the one we are living in, all rules of this game, of this existence, imply the following order – divide and rule, the strong dominates the weak, the strong takes from the weak, and so on. Whoever is richer and stronger is the one who dominates. Basically, we talked a lot about this already. So, what kind of civilization can we talk about here? A civilization of savages, of barbarians? Well, I don't mean Greeks, no, friends, but I mean barbarians in the modern understanding of this word. Well, isn't it so? It turns out that in our society, the one who is stronger and has taken more from someone is the one who is more civilized, right, friends? So how to understand what our civilization is? Yet, if we brush away all the contrived rubbish of ours and approach this more seriously, from even the standpoint of futurology, no problem, but exactly this subject, which you've just voiced, regarding the six levels or the six stages of civilization development, then the concept of civilization should imply something universal for humankind. So all peoples turn out to be united in a single whole. That's when it is a civilization. Are our peoples united in a single whole? They are united by consumerism mm -hmm. and in humanity. But are we considered to be a civilization, a consumerism? No, of course not. We're not a civilization. Everyone hogs the cowards to oneself. Absolutely right. Again, we should look at how and from what perspective to approach this word civilization. If in the way it is common to understand nowadays that it's a universal human civilization and so on, then we are not a civilization. People become a civilization when, even if we take the first stage or the first level of civilization development, in order for them to become a civilization, what does it imply? Firstly, it is unification of all people and, most importantly, it is the absence of tyrants or rulers. Meaning, civilization has no concept of power. Why? Because everyone is in their place and does their work, everyone is equal. That's when civilization sets in. But there's one more condition. 
It is possession of free energy, again, in the modern understanding of the free energy term. Well, let me try to put it simply. Excuse me, friends, I understand there are a lot of smart people among you, but people who have education in humanities and the like are listening. Therefore, we will omit these technological processes and explain it in a simpler way, just for understanding what kind of energy does modern civilization use? What do we use? Energy is what we extract from Earth, right? Hydrocarbons. Resources of the planet, yes. Yes, correct. It is consumption of resources, meaning of what is finite. The renewable sources we have are wind energy and solar energy, right? Well, and also energy of water, tidal energy, and so on. Of the falling water or something else, these are hydropower plants. That's everything we use. It's not energy. It has a very low efficiency coefficient. We spend quite a lot in order to extract energy. While in actual fact, for instance, the first level of civilization is the concept of free energy. That is when investments are much lower than profits. You understand? Let's say an engine with efficiency coefficient greater than one. What does this imply? It means that we invest a little bit of energy, but we receive a lot. Mm -hmm. So there is such a high ratio. We return everything we have invested, plus there is a huge interest, at least one unit higher. This is what implies free energy. That which we do not take from mineral resources, or from the sun, or from the wind, or from anything else. This is the use of free energy in any point of our sphere then we can freely travel throughout the sphere. In this case, by the sphere I mean our solar system, just to make it simpler and clearer. So, it is where we are located, such a little tiny spot at the edge of the galaxy, on one of its arms. You see, this is just in order to… So, it's not the whole universe, but precisely… It is to make it clear who we are. What universe? We don't even talk about the galaxy. Pardon me, now we are even unable to fly to the neighboring planets. We are only going to do something, to fly somewhere, by means of what we are going to fly. That resource which runs out. Well, possession of free energy means that we freely extract it at any point. We generate it, instead of extracting, to put it simply. It is now that we extract hydrocarbons and all the rest. Well, this is what we generate in any point of our sphere, in the amount we need. So, there are three conditions. First one is unification, the second one is the absence of a tyrant, meaning a tsar, a king, no matter what we call him, a tyrant, so to say, or L, his prototype. And the third mandatory condition is possession of free energy. That's when a civilization begins to develop. Speaking of the development of a civilization, is this connected with the spiritual and moral level in any way? I mean, are these processes going in parallel, the spiritual and moral development of a civilization and the types of civilizations? Again, the spiritual and moral. Well, if we already have such a science fiction conversation, then let's put it simply, after all, there are spiritualized and very rational creatures in this world who reach their development, who are at the fourth evolutionary mm -hmm. stage. 
It is the maximum for the spiritualized, but not the soul-filled ones, so to say. Imagine an animal that has a huge mind, I emphasize a huge mind, which is much superior to that of a human, possessing such a form of energy that we have never dreamed about. As of today, we are not even close to the first stage, while they are already at the fourth. Let's discuss it one by one, to make it clear to people. We have explained what the first stage is. What is the second stage? The second stage is already a possibility to move beyond our sphere. So it is clear, isn't it? In other words, it is already a process of intensive expansion, because it's a necessity. But for a better understanding, let's explain it in a very simple way, on the example of animals. After all, in this world, I mean the whole material world in general, there are certain laws which are fractally repeated. And if we take what we are talking about now, is the animal component, the material component. It has nothing to do with our spiritual part. A human is dual, and humanity is dual. There is a spiritual component, and there is an animal one. Meaning, well, so to say, an inevitably dead part, which cannot relate to the spiritual, or immortal part, to the soul or something else, spiritual, so to say. Therefore, our beastly component can also develop. Why? Because we have such a concept as mind, our consciousness, right? In this world of ours, not in our sphere, but in our world where we exist, there are creatures. They are creatures because they are not human-like. Again, a human being is a dual. He is spiritualized and soul-filled. There is a human race. It is diverse in its manifestation. They look different, but their entire essence is humankind. Why? What distinguishes a human being from others? The presence of soul, the presence of a personality, and the presence of consciousness. Such a triad, yes, so to say. And it turns out that there is no difference in what form is it shaped, right? The shape can be ridiculously different. It doesn't change the essence. Why? Due to various conditions of existence. We are used to our biological life in such optimal conditions. If the conditions are changed, everything will change. We will mutate, adapt, and we will grow gills, tails, or something else. Well, such a peculiarity will happen. These are the conditions of our habitat, which… This is what we look like, but if we look, then all biological life in DNA is somewhat similar. In fact, if we take… We already mentioned the apexians, we will not consider others. Although there are many forms of life, those very apexians are intelligent beings, but they are beasts, they have no soul. So they cannot develop higher than the fourth stage. And what is the fourth stage? Now let's sort it one by one, meaning we approached it from afar, so that it would be a little more clear. But this also shows that the development of their civilization is possible up to the fourth level. It is science fiction. Let's go back and explain first why I mentioned it. An anthill. For example, everyone knows it. Everyone knows bees. After all, they do not have a chief, a senior, or do not have a tyrant. Some people will say, wait, but what about the queen bee? It actually runs everything. Have any of you, my friends, who keep bees and the like, seen a queen bee giving orders where each bee should fly? 
It doesn't rule. It performs its function. Its function is to produce progeny. That's it. This is where it ends. There is no king, no single officer, no commander-in-chief. But everyone performs their function. Why? Because there is one mind in the anthill. Let's call it a common aggregor, such a commonly understood word that unites all consciousness, all bees, all ants. And an anthill knows what to do, everyone in their place. Yes, they exchange primitive information. They also have neurons, excuse me, minimum neurons for their level. But at the same time, what is the function of an anthill or of that very hive? To multiply, to organize themselves, to ensure the existence of a hive, plus to ensure the seizure of another territory. Let's just call it so. After all, this is the beastly component. Meaning, what do they do? They fight for territory. Right? Right. Meaning, they propagate. Yet, why do they do that? Because they mirror something completely different. What exactly? This very material, beastly component works exactly the same way, but from its position, without understanding the essence of what it does this for. But this is the mirroring of exactly soul field, that is, human-like beings. Do you understand? I mean, as humanity, I don't mean our humanity, I mean in general. Guys, we're fantasizing, so it's okay. I mean different humanity, different civilization that is settled on a multitude of planets. In the same way, we people, being united, create a single aggregate, if we create it based on certain ideas, let it be even beautiful ideas, but if we keep a leader, what will happen? We've already been through it. We've been through it recently, here, on this planet. We will have a new Atlantis, we will have a new L. And that's it, what game will begin? They will play God. There will be a Supreme Zeus who rules everything, and the like, and lower gods, and then there will be just a lot of biomaterial, which they will play like pawns, having fun. Will such a civilization develop? It will not. Why? Because we've kept a leader. If we unite from the position of, for example, those very apexians, not on the spiritual component, but on the animal component, then we are also extremely limited. Why? We will not be able to develop further, because the animal part still prevails in us. We will also come to that now, and we'll clarify it a little bit later. But what is the point? It's about seizing territories. Well, look, why have I mentioned Atlantis and L? After all, it was limited inside the sphere, although evolutionarily it greatly exceeded the modern level of humankind development, because it possessed such a concept as free energy, and L possessed those technologies that humanity has yet to invent and master. We have already mentioned the technogenic capabilities he possessed, such as seeing anyone, anywhere in the world. This is a capability, this is what is called… Now, we are going to touch upon something. Well, let's touch upon it. Why? Because it is a weapon from Atlantis, from the time of Atlantis.
It was basically destroyed not so long ago, and it was called the Vajra. You've heard of it, haven't you? They say that it could move mountains, radiate some lightning like Zeus. Guys, no, this is an analogy of the story. However, this weapon enabled one to destroy either one person or a billion people at any distance, no matter where they were. But no one hit with lightning, and there wasn't any discharge. In other words, it happened simply. It was indeed a weapon. As the legend says, it was broken by Gautama Buddha. He said, don't do this, stop it, and he sort of destroyed the last piece. And that's it, since then it all turned into a fairy tale and was covered with big legends. But supposedly he had the last copy of this weapon. However, this is much higher technologically. Just think about it for us. Once again, return to modern civilization. What are we doing now? We're destroying each other. We have a lot of different weapons. Let's begin with the fact that we have bacteriological weapons where we kill and destroy each other invisibly, chemical weapons where we poison each other and the like. We have firearms, cold steel, weapons of mass destruction, nuclear weapons and the like. But all this is not even close, let's say, to that very Vajra, which L possessed. Why? After all, possessing that weapon, it was enough for him to wish, and a person simply died, his function stopped. And that's it. It's just astonishing how the society of Atlantis even came to this. I mean, it turns out that people were also sort of building the creative society, but… Let's put it this way, for understanding. After all, we can say everything today, right? Right. Once people… The idea of communism isn't new. Why? Because it originates from the creative society. And the idea of the creative society is not new, because many civilizations have gone through this some successfully, some unsuccessfully. But when something like communism was announced, based on a good idea, people united on it and started building it. Yet there was the only but, there remained a king. There is a ruler, the one who ruled everything, a wonderful and excellent person. So having created, having united on this idea, even, let's say, possessing energy, free energy, and being very advanced technologically, still they couldn't part with power. And what did they receive? Atlantis. Eventually, as we know, a person who has unlimited power, or just sufficient power, I'll put it simply, the more power a person has, the more and faster he degrades as a human, he ceases to be a human. Again, this is due to the fact that mirror neurons stop functioning the way they should. In one of the videos, in the previous one, we discussed that. Why? Because he has no one to take an example from, pridefulness overcomes, and a person just stops treating other people as people. He has played at being good, and then he starts living for himself. Then he gets bored, and he begins to have fun. Or rather, he first wants what belongs to others, and then he wants to have fun, when he already has everything. The same story is here, from building communism to eventual enslavement of all people, and many bad things. This is what the previous civilization came to, under El's leadership and control. It is natural. Did they manage to go beyond the sphere? No, of course, they didn't. 
However, as they say, for any Vijay there is a Raja. Both Atlantis and El were brought to justice. Why? Because what they possessed, in our understanding, is science fiction, while in fact it is nothing. I'll give a simple example for understanding. There is a humanoid race, again, we mentioned and talked about them more than once, the Anunnaki. For example, they are at the highest level of development. We already talked about it. According to this table, as we say, they are at the sixth level of development. And look, the Apexians are at the fourth, while the Anunnaki are at the sixth. From our understanding, the difference doesn't seem to be so big. However, if we draw such a parallel for our understanding, we as of today, with our technological capabilities, such weapons, a mass of knowledge and the like, we are early Neanderthals, who have just taken a stick in their hand. They haven't even figured out yet that it is possible to attach some stone to it. They have simply taken a stick. This is the level of our civilization. Of our interesting. But it is even incomparable. I even raised these Neanderthals much higher, because otherwise there would be nothing to compare with. This is a huge gap. Why do the Apexians unquestioningly fulfill what the Anunnaki tell them? Because otherwise, the part of them that doesn't fulfill that will simply cease to exist. Here we have touched upon a part of them. Why a part of them? So at this point we go back to the anthill again. How does an anthill live and exist? We know that every year female ants fly out of anthills and settle in the new territories, and what do they create? New anthills. What do they need territory for? Why? Let's go back to those very Apexians. They have a lot of planets. They are of the fourth type of civilization development. What does it mean? Or on the fourth stage, what does it mean? It means that they move freely across the whole universe. Instantaneously, right? Yes, without wasting time. The movement in our modern understanding means that we fly from point A to point B with a certain time. How long will it take us to fly to Mars with our modern technological progress? This is ridiculous, after all. The second level already means going beyond the limits. Of the sphere. Yes. For understanding, the third level is already new planets that are colonized by humankind. This is the second and the third level. It is colonization of nearby planets in our galaxy. The fourth level is the intergalactic space. Each level implies, first of all, possession of more pure energy. There is one type of energy, the most important and the most valuable one, which creates everything, just to make it clear. One. But its combinations, let's say, there is oil, just for understanding. It is the source of many types of fuel, for example, gasoline, of different grades, diesel fuel, of different grades, oils and the like, to make it clear. The one who possesses oil can do a lot, right? Mm -hmm. While the one who possesses only a poor-quality diesel will not go far. Do you agree with me? And for the planes to fly, you need what? Refined aviation kerosene, right? Look how simple everything is. 
and each type of energy at each stage is more pure. Well, in the case of oil, of course, this is not entirely correct. Why? Because oil, as raw material, is regarded as something dirtier. And when we refine it, we extract one or another product, right? In this case, it's on the contrary. Why? Because the closer it is to its source, the stronger and more powerful it is. And when possessing more pure energy or more primary energy, the might of this civilization increases. It's clear this way, right? The fight is going on for the only thing, for energy. And now let's leave them for a while and think, how is it that a fight for energy is going on? After all, we are not fighting, my friends. What are our wars for? Yes, we have some kind of exchange currency. We have valued gold since time immemorial. And do you know what else I like? The Anunnaki flew here, the Apexians flew here. It doesn't matter who flew here, but they flew here for gold. Guys, we're talking about science fiction, but excuse me, let me criticize science fiction writers a little bit. Just think about it. The highest race flies to Earth billions of light years to mine gold here. Isn't it funny to you? To fly through the hole, we do not even take what is far, we even take our sphere. After all, in our sphere, in the solar system, there are remnants of, let's say, that very phyton. There is an asteroid belt where there are great asteroids which consist of that very gold. Outer space is full of remnants of planets' nuclei which consist of diamonds. There is no need to think up anything at all. Such a multi-billion ton, such a gold bar which you can use if you need it. There is a lot of this, and nobody will argue about this anymore, because scientists have found according to spectrum. We'll not go into astronomy, but this is really so. Those who don't know can inquire. There is plenty of this. And to fly here in order to mine tiny piece of gold for the Anunnaki to make some atmospheric shield and the like. Shield, ionosphere. Who? The Anunnaki? Being at the sixth level of development? I think we should talk about this a bit. What kind of level is it? Yes. What kind of levels those are? It is just a lack of understanding. Well, again, why? Something has been lost, something is not understood, something is not remembered, while something comes from the mind. Again, how is it resolved from the mind? From the mind, it is resolved based on the example of today. We fantasize about what we've seen and what we know. After all, people have known about the six levels of civilization development from the time immemorial. This information was available. Even if we take the latest works, of that very Kardashev. After all, he also describes this, but he reached an impasse in misunderstanding. He correctly says about the levels, yet he heard the song but got it wrong, and then a lot of things come from the mind, right? 
but it would be interesting to sort it out, yes. Even talking about resources, if we return to this question, it's just that we encountered several points of view when some people say, perhaps we, earthlings, are just of no interest to aliens because what to take from us? What resources do we have? We have depleted the planet ourselves, while others are afraid that they may be conquered, enslaved or exploited in some way. And such is people's attitude to everyone, to the whole alien mind. Hold on, wait. But we have already talked about the fact that humanity had a bitter experience. When the civilization was under the oppression of those very Apexians, they were not under protection, it was a young civilization and so on. And in reality, how long was humankind under the Apexians, right? Did they extract much here? Yes, but basically, much more important and necessary for them were not those mineral resources. Again, however, let's go back to mineral resources. There are deposits of gold. There are actually such huge ones called nuggets, but this is like slag. I mean, gold was thrown away. They extracted a completely different thing. That is, what we value, in fact. What we value has no value for them at all. But we now find their deposits and the like. If we face the truth, then gold is just a slag and garbage from what they needed. But the most valuable thing for them was another resource, the one that even a child fights for. I will give a simple example. We have started, but haven't finished. It is our attention. And our attention is what? It's just a very small part of the energy that the whole world is fighting for. Why? Because we are also the source of this energy. Why? Because we are not only spiritualized, but also soul-filled. What is the value of human races? Precisely the fact that we are the carriers of the purest and most powerful energy in the world, the energy from which everything is created. Our entire universe, in all, it's 72 dimensions. And a human is exactly a carrier of this purest energy. Well, this very energy is interesting. Here is a simple example. Adults are talking, a child runs up, starts to push aside, there's jealousy, the child is attracting attention, and psychologists begin to tell fairy tales. Why the child behaves this way? Okay, it's clear. But why does dog, a cat or someone else behave like that? Yes, it gets jealous or something else. It attracts attention. Every living creature attracts attention to itself. Why? Because it fights for what? For attention, for this energy. When we invest attention somewhere, it kind of flows there. And this is really so. That's why for the Apexians we were let's say, not only food, but we as people were for them, excuse me, both mere food and a source of the most valuable energy. The whole question is how to accumulate it and how to use it. They are at the fourth level exactly because they have this ability and why they are so aggressive. If, just look, here's a value again, something else, I will go back, to simple things, all matter consists of certain particles. But all these particles exist thanks to a certain energy. The fight is going on precisely for this energy, because it's the most valuable thing that can exist. But we let that energy be and just go back to simple things. 
all that we see, all that we eat, all that we wear, all that we build, all that we walk on and that we sit on are practically the same elementary particles. These are just their combinations. Knowing how they work, we can create everything, from clothing, from a house, or shoes to, excuse me, food. We won't have to go to McDonald's. Why? Because you press a button and you get it. Why? Because the stock of these particles, the right combination of them, and that's it, either cold or hot. All this is very, very simple. And people get to know this. Guys, just think about it. After the first stage, the first and the second stages, once a human begins to possess free energy, he can already manage such a micro-world, so to say. It's not even a quantum world, it is a bit lower. The first type of civilization. This is the first type of civilization. That's why such a notion as money, as something that is exchanged, disappears. It is not interesting. The issue of food is also secondary. Do those very Apexians have it? They do, but they ate people. Why? Because, excuse me, we eat pigs, don't we? We do. We eat chickens. Right? Right. Do these animals have a mind? Yes, they have. A primitive one compared to ours. But ours is even more primitive compared to that of the Apexians. Why do I say even more primitive? Because they have a practically free mind. If we remember the AC Jackie, then excuse me, at the age of three months, he exceeded human consciousness, our ordinary human mind, by 1500 times at three months of age. And now he is much older. His level of development is enormous. Nothing holds it. The Apexians also have a huge mind. Therefore, their intellectual capabilities are already beyond our understanding. Igor Mikhailovich, if we speak about the types of civilization, they say that, for example, in that very first type of civilization, society can control earthquakes, weather events, volcanic eruptions, and can build cities on the oceans. It can't. It can't. The same thing was said about that very Vajra and everything else. The first type it is, they can build cities on the ocean. But what is attributed to them, they cannot. If El had been able and had had such a capability, such power, then naturally nothing would have happened to him. We would now be, excuse me, fulfilling his will and would not be sitting here and philosophizing, wouldn't we? You see how simple everything is? But we are sitting, we are philosophizing, we are talking about the creative society, and now we are talking about science fiction in general. And there is no L. We have a lot of little L's or baby L's, what should we call them? They are numerous, but there is no single one. But when they say that a human should have power over nature or transform nature, what is meant? That the human task is the transformation of nature and that a human has power over nature. A separate individual… Well, again, it's going… Okay, let me explain it simpler. What does it mean, a human has power? Here again, in its development, religion has slightly mixed the ancient true knowledge, attributing it to itself and remaking it. You know, when they take really serious knowledge and turn it into a fairy tale for kids, 
It all gets mixed up, later it is forgotten, and also wants and desires mix everything. Let us simplify this and tell how, from the perspective of futurology or science fiction, how it actually was and how it is. What does it mean, a human has power over nature? Yes, a human is the lord of nature. A human is the lord of the universe. Why? A human has a soul. The soul is a part of the spiritual world. And we are nothing else. I take we as personality, but a reflection, having an individuality. But there is also consciousness as a part of what? Of the temporary world. The world of matter. That's right. Our consciousness is a field structure, it belongs to what religion calls the devil, or world of shadows, it doesn't matter. But our consciousness is not us, it's a tool that fights for what? For power. Over what? Over energy. If Personality has self-awareness and freedom, freedom from whom? Freedom from consciousness, freedom from its dictatorship. That is, when a person chooses service and life in the Divine direction or his true purpose, he discards that which makes him dead and temporary. That is, he stops serving the devil. Thus, a person having the power coming from the Soul as human personality can dictate to the devil, well, not the devil, but consciousness, let's say a demon, and make it work for himself. Then he clearly understands where he is and where consciousness is. In other words, he is no longer merged into such a single conglomerate which people live in. How come? It's me, it's my emotion, it's mine. It's an emotion of a beast, not yours, my friend. It is imposed on you, but it's not yours. You are Personality. You're the one who possesses great power, but it reveals itself only when a person does what? Becomes liberated. And here we already take another parallel. Let me explain. There is a human sphere. It is different. It is a human being. We are not talking about humanity now. The human sphere, it is his energy structure, so to say, in which the material substance, consciousness, soul and personality are looped, sort of like that. But is a human in three-dimensionality or not? A simple question. But considering that a human is not a form… A human is not in three-dimensionality. And here we already take completely different levels. Where is our consciousness? In three-dimensionality? No. Precisely one dimension above. And where is our personality? In the third, fourth dimension? Not at all. Our personality is actually… Why do we identify ourselves with great difficulty? Personality is actually located much higher, and for it three-dimensionality is not perceived at all. Why even our consciousness contacts and can function only through the neurons of our brain? Why? Because it's a machine. It's really a machine that exists exactly in this section, between dimensions, that is, in three-dimensionality. We have eyes, we have ears, we have what? Vocal organs and everything else. And we have a group of neurons. These are sensors that read this information, and they also transmit it where? To our consciousness. What does consciousness do? It transmits this to Personality, that is, to the floors above. Let's imagine such a multi-story building. The director is sitting on the sixth floor. On the fourth floor there sits… Well, who is there? 
some deputies. Consciousness, yes. Who performs the function of consciousness? Administration. And everything below is factories, production shops and the like. The director doesn't know what is going on there, while the administration contacts the workers, and it knows what's going on there, and so it reports to the director. When the director is not interested and does not look at all this, yet how can he? Look at this. Yes, he doesn't see three-dimensionality, but it is perceived in a completely different way to understand the analogy. Take video cameras, install them, observe, analyze, meet with people, and you will know everything that is going on at your enterprise. But when he believes the administration, he knows exactly as much as the administration tells him. And he allocates funds left and right to what they tell him. In the end, there is no money, and it turns out that the enterprise died long ago. The same is with a human, he has lived out his life, he hasn't been interested in anything greater, and eventually he is bankrupt, meaning, that's it, he's a subpersonality, as they say in religions, an inhabitant of hell. Is it simple? Interesting. It's very simple. It is the same here. So, due to the fact that a human as a personality, a human is personality, first of all. A human being is the fusion of personality with a soul. This is when he becomes an angel, this is a human. While everything else is a pre-human existence, let's say. If we take, for example, the Anunnaki, this is the sixth level of development, they are completely free. This is, imagine, a civilization of spiritually free, higher beings. Do you know what their function is? Interesting. It is said that they are able to practically change the laws of physics. They can do anything. Create new universes. Is it really so? They can do anything. Yet their task is not to create new universes, but, let's put it so to make it clear, let's imagine a liner, a huge ship with a lot of vacationers and the like. Everyone has their own cabins, they have a rest, everything is fine. But here we are talking about the vacationers, while there are service personnel, for the liner to exist and for people to feel comfortable. What are they doing? They fix the ship, they take care of people, they do not enter people's cabins, but they can clean up there when it is necessary, so that people feel comfortable. They don't get into their lives, into everyone's cabins, and do not tell them what to do. However, they… thanks to them, the ship moves, and thanks to them, the others feel comfortable. So the function of the highest civilization, the one we call Anunnaki, is that the ship, universe, moves in a strictly defined direction, so that nothing breaks, or that everything is repaired in time. And what does it mean, repaired in time? This is exactly the influence on matter repairs, maintenance, putting things in order, and again, so that those like the Apexians would not develop their appetites too much, and many more things. That is, there are certain laws which are precisely monitored by such a highly developed human race. Why? Because the Anunnaki is actually a human race. People also say, I've heard such an opinion that we, Earthlings, are supposedly patronized by our elder brothers, and, among other things, they also control our evolution. Is it true? No, nobody controls evolution. Nobody has the right to interfere and dictate. If they controlled, believe me, we as humanity would already be 
at the sixth level of development. And it would be one more civilization that has reached such a level. But this mustn't be done. We must grow, we must develop. This is called evolution. Why? Because it's good and wonderful when one person, we began to talk about it, he is like a sphere. After all, a human being is capable of passing six dimensions and achieving the seventh. The seventh is, excuse me, already an exit to the zero dimension. Why to the zero dimension? I will explain, there are 72 dimensions. Six dimensions are our material world, and 66 are the superstructures which control it. Meaning, there are those who control everyone, the Anunnaki and everyone in the world. These are another 66 dimensions, to ensure that there are no failures or violations. So, let's attribute all this, all these 72 dimensions, to a large sphere, the universe, with its multiple manifestations, parallels and everything else. Well, there is a zero dimension. This is everything. What is the zero dimension? It is infinity, boundlessness and infinity. Our consciousness is unable to perceive it. But if we take our universe, which is sort of huge and infinite, it is almost nothing. From the position of zero dimension or the spiritual world, it is absolutely nothing. It's even… it's not even there. It's just an inclusion. Do you know what I would compare it to? Our friends who watched our videos, and who watched the previous one, they remember about your chamomile with a bug. Remember the one you imagined? Yes, I already did. With a ladybug, right? It really exists. Why? It exists in the heads of our friends and in ours. We remember about it, don't we? We do. And you remember and sometimes recall it too, meaning it exists. Why? Because a thought is material, an image, a form, and everything else. Since it was born as a picture, it exists. Where is it? Where does it exist? Where is that point where it exists? Does it exist in our three-dimensional world or in some other one? Yet it exists. You see? In fact, it is nothing. It's hard for us to understand it from our perspective. In fact, it's very simple and easy. But your ladybug actually exists, and nobody cares how it feels or how it develops spiritually. You don't get inside it, you don't teach it ABC. You don't read a dictionary or bedtime stories to it, do you? So why do you not take care of it? After all, you are the creator, you must, right? Now imagine, it takes shape and manifests itself as a human-like being here. Will you take care of it then? It's a different story. You'll have no choice but to do that. That's the answer for you. Because there is such a notion as freedom of choice, and a human race must emerge, like we do. It must develop and evolve. Then it is efficient, then there is a meaning. So we go back to our stages of development. We began with the fact that Humanity, similar to ants, must seize new territories and expand, after all. Even in our galaxy, there are very many planets where humanity can live. This is really so. Possessing energy, we can freely, let's say, not instantaneously, but still easily and simply, we can reach them in a short 
very short period of time, and we can explore them. And now look, we currently have a problem. They, the Club of Rome, well, we know who, they set a task that humanity is too numerous, there are no resources, and so on. Although we perfectly understand the development of modern technologies and science can comfortably provide food for 50 billion people, meaning there will be enough water, enough space, and more than enough food and everything else. Modern science can do that. So what's the problem? The problem is simple. If we are over a billion, we are uncontrollable. It is extremely difficult to manipulate and control us, ideally, when there are 500 million of us, is the golden time for them. There are enough slaves to serve them, and everything is very easy to control. A billion at most. They can easily keep abreast of events. But when there are already, excuse me, seven or eight, more than seven already, almost eight billion of us, it's extremely difficult. They cannot keep track of everyone. Everyone goes where they want and so on. And at this point, fragmentation happens where there shouldn't have been any fragmentation. What do we see? Old clans began to crumble, starting from June 2015. Something happened to nature, the clans collapsed. They cannot find a common language and they won't be able to. What threat does it pose? A war that is going on between them. And so on. Will it develop? Yes, it will. Of course it will. There won't be reconciliation anymore. Why? Because greed prevails. How will that affect us? Of course, in a negative way. Why? Because it entails inflations. Again, a lot of filth in the media and everything else. It is banal human greed. There is, pardon me, one family, there is another one and the third one. They cannot agree among themselves which of them is the king on earth. None. Neither the first, nor the second, nor the third. Why not? Because people must be kings on their planet, then there will be order, right? But we are going back to the planets. If we, they will say again about the Creative Society, sorry, friends, if in the most fantastical scenario we suddenly decided to create a Creative Society, we indeed decided to serve not these three or five families, who cares? We don't count those ones, mainly three, it doesn't matter. We decided to work not for their children and grandchildren, but we actually decided to serve and work for our children and grandchildren. We decided to leave a beautiful world for them. And what did we do? We began to talk to each other, just to talk, without being ashamed. Remember, in the last video we discussed it, the LGBT actually achieved their rights, yes. not being ashamed to discuss acute topics, while we are ashamed. For the sake of our children, we are ashamed to talk about what is vital for them, whereas those ones were not ashamed. Therefore, we should learn from them, friends. We started talking, everybody wants that. As research shows, 99.9% of people really want all this. We got together and started to shape the Creative Society so that there would be something to leave for our children, right? That's right. We have created it. We have created a Creative Society. What will we face? Absence of power. Everything is fine and wonderful for everybody. Where to develop further? Absolutely right. Firstly, we, having the technologies which exist, friends, we don't even need to invent them. Using these technologies, we can very easily reach other planets. Mm -hmm. We will face, first and foremost, a shortage of human resources. Even if we are 50 billion, believe me, 
After a very short period of time, it will be nothing. We are fantasizing, after all. Imagine that within, let's say, a week at most, we are able to reach the other arm of our galaxy. Or within a month, we can fly across the galaxy entirely. Is that much time? Not much. If we are able to transport millions of tons of cargo, move millions of people at the same time to better conditions of existence, after all, there are masses of similar planets where, in addition, nature is better ecologically. It's because we haven't been there, that's why it is better. Not all the trees were cut down. Many people will think, it would be great to go there with a sawmill, even if for that purpose, it is fine. What number of people is needed? A huge number. That's why anthills exist, because it's a mission. Many people will say, what is the plan, what is the meaning, what is the essence of this point? Guys, if we explain again from… not from a religious, but let's say, even if it sounds fantastical, from the perspective of the boundless spiritual world, what does humanity give, what is supposed to give? Angels. Angels, that is, members of the boundless world. Because each coming gives what? A wave of joy for the whole boundless world. The more of them come, the more joy there is. It is good, beautiful and wonderful when something emerges out of nothing, and it emerges by its own choice. Look, a human during his life, a human himself, alone, is able to become an angel, to achieve spiritual salvation and the like. All religions mention that in a perverse way, God knows how, far from the truth. But guys, I'm talking from the perspective of science fiction, so don't… We are fantasizing today, right? It's a joke. Again, just imagine when entire civilizations do this. After all, in history, even on this planet, it happened that when people reached such a level, they left. To make it clear, this is one of the forms of existence of small groups, meaning it's a small number of people, we do not take billions, but a small number of people of a civilization, when it can leave the sphere freely. This community of people is huge enough, but at the same time not enough to be called a civilization, and such a community just leaves. There were such cases too, and civilization is precisely development. Again, if we approach the word civilization correctly. Igor Mikhailovich, you've touched upon the ideal society. If the creative society is the first type of civilization, then the ideal society… The ideal society, it is when there are ideal people. In actual fact, society already becomes ideal somewhere at the fifth stage. And the fifth stage, as a civilization, is already beyond the verge, beyond any kind of material dependence. Why? Because our animal part will no longer be able to dominate there in any way. That's when it is the ideal society. And to step over, excuse me, three or four stages is unrealistic, when we are nowhere at all. If we also talk about the third type of civilization, they say that in order for a civilization to move to the third level, several races should unite. Right. That we often hear the ring. Right. The great ring of Ephraimov. Not several races, it is one race. 
There is always one race that unites. That's, to make it clear, again, that very anthill, again, that very principle through which all have passed, both the Anunnaki in their time and the Apexians in their time, and so on. Nothing happens out of nothing. The same is about us. Let's fantasize a little bit. We have created the creative society. Let's say we wanted to. We have built a beautiful world. We have reached the first stage in development. We have received energy and opportunities. We started to build the second stage. We went beyond our sphere, settled in the nearest possible territories and so on. Is that us? Us. That is our civilization. As some live here, others live there, you know, like neighbors. Because the world is already… our sphere is expanding, our opportunities are expanding. And so the unification of all gives unity again. The unity of all gives a single egregor. That's why our opportunities are growing. That is why we can use purer energy. And the purer energy gives what? Transition to the fourth level. What does the fourth stage or the fourth level of development give? It is intergalactic traveling across the universe without losing time. And this is a completely different level. If before that we, no matter how much we don't want to, we would be losing time. Yes, the speed of light is not the limit. Many people will say, come on, how? This is sheer science fiction. This is science fiction. Guys, and those who argue, let's even take entangled particles. What is the time interval between their interaction? Gravity. What is the speed of gravitational interaction compared to the speed of light? Immediately, there is a dead end. And why the speed of light? Again, where was the speed of light measured? How was it measured? And so on. Moreover, it is believed that the speed of light is ideal in cosmic vacuum. There is no vacuum in space. Just no. Why? Because if there was a vacuum, a vacuum is nothing. Nothing lives and nothing moves in nothing. Light wouldn't move either. It just wouldn't exist. Where there is nothing, there is nothing. That's why… That's why they invented and tell you now about dark matter and the like. They used to tell you about ether. Somehow it easily made sense, everything was clear. But later, ether was removed because… Why? Too many things become clear. Because it explained a lot. Ether, is it right or wrong? I will say wrong. Of course it is wrong. Why? What did ether describe? The same thing that they are now trying to describe by means of dark matter. What kind of matter is that? There is such a science fiction too. Today we are… It's a good day, thank God. There is Alatrophysics, which describes what? Phantom particles, stationary particles in general, such a micro-arrangement of the world itself, when energy becomes a particle. This description precisely tells and explains everything. How you can make a hamburger out of nothing, out of particles, or let's say, I don't know, a ring for your hand. So with one push of a button, you set the shape, and it is assembled. Why? Because if you disintegrate it, it's the same as everything else. You know, in your ring, it is possible to make a hamburger from your ring. It's easy. Not even one. Look, the density of the material, the number of particles and everything else, meaning it is all the same. It is simple. When you know how to operate this, and in order to operate it, you need what? You need to have a certain energy. It is all about, again, we are running into what? Into the power, the energy, that everyone is chasing. Actually, everything is very simple, there is nothing complicated about it, and there is no science fiction. 
No, it is science fiction. Sorry, friends, after all, we have a science fictional day. That's why we talk. That's why Alatra Physics as part of our science fictional story today says more in detail about how science fiction becomes reality. You have touched upon the particle and the wave, and science fiction writers also have an opinion that there are still some beings living in the universe who can change their nature, and from physical nature to the wave. The sixth level of development, those very… We again go back to our favorite Anunnaki. So, these are not quite material beings, in our understanding. Is that right? Thus they can, for instance, it is said, can they settle in people? Of course they can, easily, why not? And what's the difference? After all, consciousness can settle in. Again, if we take religion, demons settle in and so on, but if demons settle in, why cannot something good settle in? A simple question, friends. Why? Well, that's it, even religious scholars won't be able to argue. Since something bad settles in, hence something good also can, people will say, oh no, something good cannot. Yet what about the Holy Spirit? Doesn't He come in excess to those whose door is open? I mean the gate of a person's soul. Isn't that right? They can. Well, those who deal with repair and maintenance of this world, meaning those who… Imagine a whole race that serves the spiritual world, they consciously serve. They simply have such a job. They're actually in close contact with the spiritual world. Certainly, their capabilities are enormous, like your abilities too. Now I will show you an example of how it works. Imagine that to your… on the chamomile that you thought up, to your buck, to your ladybug, who came to visit it, let us… who came to visit it? A beetle. <laughs> okay, a beetle came to visit it. Have you imagined? Describe the beetle. It is black. Small. It has six legs and an elongated body. A small, black, elongated, six-legged beetle. So, friends, have you imagined it? You have. Look, she has just created it. So easily and simply. But her abilities are sufficient to create it in her head. Our mirror neurons have worked, and we've created it in our heads. However, it is one and the same creature, although it can slightly differ owing to our fantasies, but it exists somewhere in a parallel. And now imagine a whole race that can create worlds like these bugs are created. Not to create, but to repair them, to repair, to maintain, to beget stars where it is necessary according to the plan of the spiritual world. There is a general engineer who decided, let it be, just like Tatiana, let it be, yes? Well, there are those who bring in, in this case, I acted as the Anunnaki. Why? I told her, let it come to visit you, let it come… No, this is wrong, I actually acted on the part of the spiritual world. I told her, let it come to visit you, while she, as a representative of the Anunnaki, for example, I'm sorry, she has actually built up that this beetle came to visit a black, elongated one with six legs. Now all of us have to live with this beetle in our heads. Do you see how simple everything is?
Of course, what has just been voiced sounds science fictional for people, but people's aspiration to go beyond the sphere and come into contact with the extraterrestrial mind and extraterrestrial civilizations is felt as well. Surely the methods are so far… Wait, to come into contact with… And why not to come into contact with your little beetle that came to visit your ladybug? But how? That's the question. And how to come into contact with those ones? As of today, we so far send radio signals into space and communicate that we exist, this is what we are. To whom? So far simply in the direction of galaxies. Guys, doesn't this make you laugh? What is the speed of the radio signal? For how long has the civilization existed which uses radio signals for 200 years maximum or even less? Isn't that so? For an advanced civilization to receive our radio signal, it would be the same as, I don't know, I will simplify, on your smartphone. Do you receive SMS or telegraph messages sent hundred years ago? No? Why? A simple question. And do you, friends, receive such messages? No? And can you send any message to a telegraph from your smartphone? No? Why? Well, yes, a signal was going through wires, dot and dash and the like. Well, we have smartphones, it is something different. Guys, the radio wave which our television, our gadgets and all the rest uses nowadays is so primitive, so inconvenient, so expensive and so dirty. I'll tell you the following. It dirties the air and creates a lot of problems. This requires time and technology. It's a very short period in the development of civilization, in fact. Just look, as of today, experiments are already conducted, and quite successfully, on quantum interactions, yes? Everyone heard about that. A little bit of time, and it will become a norm. It's the same as telegraph and the modern gadgets. Will we use radio signals? Of course not. Why? Because this is primitive and inconvenient. Whereas now huge satellite dishes are being set and we try to pick up a signal. This has to be such a poorly developed civilization as ours. Exactly the same one. They have to send a signal, and we have to pick up this signal. In the same way we send it. So we have turned on this satellite dish today, yes? Well, the signal was sent yesterday or it will be sent after we turn the dish off, tomorrow, let's say. Will we pick it up? This… chances are absolutely zero. Just like for us to be heard, our signal that we send into nowhere, in the same way, there is an absolutely zero chance that we will hear anyone, because it's a very short period of time in development, let's say, in the evolution of civilization, because other things are already used. The next stage, yes, these are quantum interactions, then there will be more, there will be other ones. This is developed very fast with the development of civilization itself. Technologies grow fast as well. At the first stage, we will no longer use what we use nowadays. There's no point in this. It's not interesting and it is wrong. Again, if we touch upon what they are now trying to find in outer space, the same beings as ourselves, not by, let's say, some 
Not by natural gases. Features, yes. Not by our vital activities, but by garbage, right. right? In other words, we actually live and destroy the planet. We emit a lot of gas, meaning there's a process of destruction. They start searching for the same barbarians, yes? In the common understanding of this word. Who exploit their planet just as cruelly as we do. And they try to discover similar life based on these features. Mm-hmm. However, this is also a very short period of time. What will we do first? If we really enter the first stage, we will start putting things in order both on our planet, restoring the environment and around our planet. Will we need satellites? A simple question. Of course not. A satellite is for radio signals. If we enter a slightly different level, it doesn't matter to us whether it is vertical or horizontal scanning. I mean, why send garbage and waste a lot of money? This is not justified economically at all. It's just that we have such a development stage. We are now somehow trying to enter outer space at least a little bit. We go there and pollute it. All this will actually be, firstly it will be tidy, things will be put in order around it. Plus, restoration of the environment, which can be done very fast. Will they see us? They won't, just like we want to see. I mean, such a coincidence should occur, you understand? Indeed, while listening to you, I understand how absurd is the funding of such projects and searching for similar beings who have dirtied the atmosphere. It's just a waste of money. Someone simply earns good profits on that, because they search for the same as we are, backward, so to say. This is really so, you know, fractally. We are knocking with the wrong tool, just like we are trying to get out of the sphere, talking about, in the material sense, with signals and messages, with radio signals, that we exist. In the same way, there is a parallel with the spiritual world, how a person is trying to communicate to God that, I exist, I love you, God, but give me… Yes. 100%, in absolutely the same way. Right, give me something good, something material, and as much as possible. Isn't that so? Don't they address God this way? That's the way we are taught. Pardon me, priests of various religions have taught us that we must shout in the same way, for all to hear, and the louder the better, so that… and to ask God for something for ourselves, instead of going and doing, earning or solving some problem. No, it's necessary to ask, and God will give, for He is kind. But today… Well, that's already a different topic. It's not the topic of today, for we already… Why today, in general, is the topic of the alien mind and extraterrestrial civilizations so much partly classified as secret and so inconvenient for people? Thank God, people already started talking, and they started talking about this openly. Why is it laughed at and put in such, you know, so to say, an inconvenient position, Sort of ridiculous, you believe in aliens, ha ha ha, right? It makes everyone laugh. Guys, but you know, today we talked about science fiction. And the funniest thing is that we haven't said a single science fictional word. Why? Because everything that we've said is banal history. And there is plenty of evidence of that. If those very archaeologists showed to the community all artifacts which they found, and historians would call things by their proper names. If we go around museum stashes and extract everything that is available, pay attention and face the truth, then everything we said turns out to be absolutely known facts. So it turns out to be quite strange on the one hand. We talk about science fiction, which is confirmed by lots of evidence. 
The advice is not welcomed and not supported by our scientists and everyone else, because it is disadvantageous. For whom it is disadvantageous in the first place? It is disadvantageous for politicians and priests. That's it. And why is it disadvantageous? Because both the former and the later one will lose power. Priests have invented such a world, where life is only on our planet. But what about other billions and billions of galaxies, with billions, a huge number of planets, which are even similar to ours, and on which even we can live, so to say. There are countless number of them, and lots of them are empty, so far, where we still have to come. And there are a lot of planets inhabited by others. However, this undermines what? This undermines what is written, written by priests. After all, none of the prophets spoke about this. Priests made it up themselves and wrote that God created a human. He took him from dust and by various means. And a human is only here, on this little planet. How many people did they send to fire or somewhere else? Those who spoke about science, why? They are scared to lose their power. What does this indicate? This indicates that El lives in each of us. That's true. It is enough to create conditions, and He will be reborn. Isn't that so? To give a modern person opportunities to become this L, and He will become him, any person. Therefore, while developing, we must think, and first of all, create such conditions so that we would never have else anymore, so that everything vile, everything inhuman could not develop. Everything that stands against a human must not be present here, while everything humane, that on which we can really unite and bring benefit to ourselves and to our descendants must be encouraged and developed. Isn't it right? It is right. So, my friends, not everything is a fairy tale in this world, and even any fairy tale contains a lot of truth. Whereas today our science fiction story is just a… just a little reality from the huge, tremendous world, with its enormous opportunities. So, let us roll up our sleeves, put on comfortable shoes and go ahead, right? Right, and for the start, let's learn at least to simply love each other. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, friends.